Leveling up. Extreme business growth through raising your game. When what was once extraordinary becomes ordinary, you know you've leveled up. Let's be honest, we could all use a little bit more positive and happiness right now. In the UK, my home country, it is January. You've got the normal January blues, you've got the cold weather, you've got the wet weather, the dark nights. The sun doesn't come up until well and truly into the morning. And let's be honest, a non-stop bombardment from media and government. And of course, we've got the lockdowns and the restrictions. And it's a perfect recipe for having the January blues from hell. And I've seen out there so much positivity and I've seen so much hope out there and it really does inspire me. But I'm also aware that there is a little bit of a battle going on in the world, the battle between positivity and happiness and negativity and maybe gloominess or pessimism or maybe even anxiety, fear, doom, dread, despair, I talked about last week. So I wanted to dedicate this week into helping you create the right mindset, creating the positivity around you that makes it easier for you to have that positive mindset, that makes it easier for you to be happy. And the truth is we are more productive, we are more successful when we are positive and when we are happy. In fact, I heard a stat today that a positive mindset can be attributed to about 33% increase in performance and success. This doesn't surprise me because ultimately when you're positive and when you're happy, you want to do stuff. And when you're pessimistic and miserable, you don't want to do stuff. So, you know, if you're vibrant, energetic, vital, if you're feeling good, feeling positive, feeling optimistic, you want to get up and you want to get going. When it feels doomy and gloomy and miserable and negative and what's the point, then of course there's no motivation there, there's no drive there. And without motivation, without drive, without that oomph behind you, then it's really hard going. So this week is dedicated to helping you, the ambitious small business owner, to tap into a greater store of positivity to help you create that positivity in you, around you, and ultimately create that happier experience for yourself. Because from there, not only are you having a much, much better quality of life, of course, but you're also much more used to your business, to yourself, to everyone else around you. Welcome to the Leveling Up podcast with me, George Swift from Bigger Bright Boulder. The Leveling Up podcast is here to give you the personal development, the entrepreneurial development, and the business growth that you the ambitious business owner desires. I'm here to give you the motivation, the inspiration, but above all else, to challenge your aspirations to take you and your business to the next level. Don't forget, subscribe to this podcast and never miss an episode. So the first thing to understand, if you are feeling a little bit gloomier, a little bit negative, then there's no accident to that, by the way. It happens every year to many people around January. We've had a relatively long, wet, cold winter so far. We're at the peak of it. There's still another couple of months of this to go at least. And it's no surprise that coming off the back of a Christmas and New Year, and regardless of even if you had a restricted Christmas and New Year this year, it's still light for most people. It's positive. We overindulge. So, of course, at the other side of that, getting back into work, getting back into the grind, it's difficult for many people anyway, especially if you've overconsumed over Christmas and New Year because your system's running a little bit low, your energy levels will be running a little bit low, even if you've slept a lot more. 
And it just takes a little while, you know, a couple of weeks or so normally for most people to really brush off all those cobwebs and really start to get going. Well, this year it was different, of course, because no sooner had we got into the year, the kids had gone back for a day at school and literally the kids are sent back home from school. We're in a massive lockdown, probably the longest lockdown, going to go right through, let's be honest, until the end of winter. So for many business owners, of course, it was a very rude, abrupt beginning to 2021 after a pretty hard going 2020. So it's no surprise that many people are feeling not great at this time of year anyway. This year in particular, it's not surprising. And therefore, don't beat yourself up. Don't feel worse than you already do. It's happening in you. But fundamentally, there's a lot of triggers from outside of you that are making it just damn sight harder to get going, to feel positive, to feel good, just to be happy right now. And therefore, it's okay to feel where you are feeling, but there is something we can do about it. And even if you are someone and you feel quite positive and quite happy right now, it's well worth taking on board what I'm sharing in this episode, because even the best of us don't always feel happy, 100% happy all the time, 100% positive all the time. And therefore, this might be a message that you need to remember and hold on to for when you maybe go through your next downturn. We all do. We all have bad days. Sometimes those bad days lead into bad weeks. Sometimes those bad weeks can lead into months. And of course, then it can lead into mental health issues and all sorts. We want to nip it in the bud. We want to stop feeling bad as soon as possible. Stop the negativity as soon as possible. Ideally, stop that negativity at source. And I want to share with you some hints and tips and what you can do right now to really help yourself be more positive, be happier, be more motivated, be more driven. And fundamentally, ultimately, you'll have a better quality of life and you will be more successful. You'll also be a damn sight more fun to be around. You'll be more useful to your family, your loved ones, to your clients, to anyone that's close to you. So happiness, what is happiness? Well, happiness, it's a chemistry set. It's a bunch of chemistry that fires off in the brain, around the body, hormones, electrical impulses in the brain. And it's a composition of chemical compounds coming together that fundamentally give you the experience of happiness. Now, I'm deliberately removing you from your feeling of happiness and bringing it down to science, bringing it down to chemistry, because we have a physical body that is a mechanical body. It's a chemical and biological mechanical body that runs biochemical processes and electrical impulses from the brain and around the central nervous system that ultimately creates you, your physical form, and gives you the experience of life that you're having when you become aware of those impulses. So you're not sad, you're having sad chemistry, but you're not feeling sad until you really acknowledge that sadness. You're not feeling excited until you really acknowledge that excitement chemistry set that's firing off inside of you. Fundamentally, excitement is a chemistry set that was designed through evolution to get you up, get you going, get you moving towards something that was deemed positive for you. And negative emotions, what we would see as negative emotions, you know, like fear, anxiety, worry, they were designed specifically to make you alert, bring your attention to something that may harm you or hurt you, ultimately, so you could move away from that and protect yourself. So a whole emotional chemistry set that sits inside of us is designed to manipulate the body, manipulate the form, just like it is for all other animals in the animal kingdom. It is the same for us. It evolved over time in order to move us away from things that were bad for us and move us towards things that were good for us. 
between 95 and 99% of everything you think, feel and do in any minute in any given day is unconscious. So you're not even aware this process is happening. We're only seeing, experiencing the tiniest tip of what's going on inside of us. So we wake up one day and we feel gloomy. We feel down. We feel miserable. We don't know why that is, but we just have this top level surface experience of what's going on underneath the bonnet. It actually gives us a real clue to what's going on. But for most of us, we get so caught up in the experience of being unhappy, sad, unmotivated, lethargic, that we don't actually analyze maybe what's going on underneath the surface of that, that is triggering those responses. So think of it like an iceberg. I mean, icebergs are used for all kinds of analogies and metaphors. So let's use an iceberg again. The tip of the iceberg you can see, that's your conscious awareness. Underneath is your unconscious. So when we're just focused on, I feel sad, I feel miserable, I feel worried, I feel fearful, I feel excited, I feel happy. When we're focused on just that part, we're missing the huge mechanical part, the processes that are going into creating that fundamental experience of life that you're having, which is just the very tip of that iceberg. So if we want to start to you know, take control or influence our own positivity, our own mindset, our own experience of life, our own happiness then we need to really get into the mechanics of what creates happiness and positivity in the first place. So happiness is a chemistry set that's triggered by the unconscious based on what the unconscious is deeming an appropriate response to a perception. That perception could be something outside of yourself or it could be a perception that you hold within yourself. So for example, you wake up, you put the news on right now, I suggest you don't. You put the news on right now, you see a whole load of negativity on that TV, there's no real negativity in your life in that moment, no more than there was before you turn the TV on, but that external stimulus goes in and triggers your unconscious, and your unconscious is reacting to that as if it was real, in the real world, as in right now, in front of you, that it had to interact with that, and it will release chemistry based on that. So you're watching something terrifying on TV, and you start to feel anxious and worried, maybe even terrified yourself. The reason being is your unconscious doesn't really understand the difference between an indirect threat and a direct threat. It doesn't really understand the difference between this is a threat somewhere else or happening outside that I'm witnessing on my television. It sees it as inside your home, inside your house, that this is a threat that needs to be tackled and dealt with right now. So that's an external stimulus that triggers an unconscious response that the unconscious is reacting to based on evolution and based on the experiences of life that you've had so far, the lessons in life that you've had, your direct experiences, your taught experiences and the experiences that you've had by witnessing other people and how other people interact and react to things. It all goes into our learning, goes into that huge storage database that is the unconscious and it goes in there and it pulls out what it believes is relevant data to trigger response that it believes is the right response in order to tackle the problem, the threat, the thing that has presented itself to you, and then you go and act accordingly. We became aware, we became conscious beings at some point in our evolution, which gave us the awareness of that process, which means we can look in on ourselves, see ourselves having that experience, and that is what creates the experience. It's just chemistry, but when we see the chemistry, now we have the experience of that chemistry, we have the feeling. So feeling happy, feeling unhappy is just your experience of life. And one of the biggest drivers in life is to feel happier. And why shouldn't you? And why wouldn't you? But actually, that's 
pretty irrelevant to evolution. Evolution doesn't really care about you feeling happy. It's just manipulating you with happiness because the happiness is the drug that means that you'll want to do more of the things that create that happiness. And that's what the unconscious is deemed as safe. Sometimes, however, the unconscious can pull you towards things that are unsafe, but it predicts will make you happy. Let's look at drugs, sugar, junk food. It draws us towards things just for fun, riding a roller coaster, doing a dare, whatever it might be. So the unconscious is constantly pushing you towards having a better experience, but that better experience is meant to be aligned with what's good for us. And unfortunately, it's been a little bit hijacked in the modern world and not all the things that make us happy are actually the things that are good for us. Equally, any threat that comes into our presence, any threat that comes into our environment will always trump my desire for happiness at an unconscious level. So the brain is going to switch from let's move you towards things that give you a better quality of life, a better experience of life. Not that it cares about you having a better experience of life, but that's what manipulates you to do the things you need to do to keep yourself safe as long as those things are aligned with things that are good for us, which I've said before, isn't always the case. A threat comes in, trumps any of that that's going on, and it's all about self-preservation. It's all about protecting yourself from that threat, from that external concern or attack or whatever it is that's out there. And therefore, when we are left to our own devices, when the threats are removed and when the worries and anxieties are removed, we tend to put all of our attention... And we're drawn unconsciously towards things that make life better and make us happier. When there's threats in the world and threats around us, we are more pulled into defending against that threat and we get consumed and absorbed into those things. So threat and fear are like magnetic poles. So if there's a threat outside, the brain, the unconscious brain will trigger you know, doubt maybe initially if it's not too much of a threat, it may bring in some anxiety, some worry. If it's not an immediate threat, it will bring in fear if it's perceived as an immediate threat. And that fear response will trump any desire to be happier and everything else. Of course it would in the animal kingdom. If you don't live past this thing that's an immediate threat to you right now, you're never going to get to a point where it's even remotely important whether or not you're happier or not. Who cares if you're happy if you're having your arm chewed off? So actually, you cannot be in both camps. You cannot be in fear and worry and anxiety and also be in happiness. It's impossible. There are two separate parts. When a threat response is triggered within you, the fear response and the anxiety and all those things, actually, the blood supply gets pushed into the parts of the brain which are designed to keep you safe, and they're pulled out of other aspects and other areas of the brain. So a lot of my past... I used to work with some doormen. I used to work with people in conflict resolution, as in violence and violent conflict resolution. And one of the things that happens is when you go into fear, especially when you go into like real heightened levels of fear, the brain literally starts to shut down. So we used to do pressure testing. So we used to work with some doormen in the day. I've worked with bodyguards in the past and the general public. And we used to do like pressure tests and we'd get people really riled up and we'd really fire them up and get them really pumping on adrenaline. And we'd ask them simple things like, what's their phone number? What's their address? Um, we'd give them a marker pen and say, right, write your name on a board. And, and you could barely write your name. You could not remember your own phone number. And the reason is because the blood supply has been pulled out of those other cognitive parts of the brain and shoved all into the fear response centers and into those 
responses and reactions that are going to keep you safe in that moment. So for example, when I used to work with Dorman, I did some door work myself, we'd talk about conflict resolution, you know, rather than just violence on the door. And one of the clearest signs that someone's about to go physical is they stop talking. And it's actually impossible to be articulating yourself well and also punch someone in the face. It's impossible. And we would show them this, we'd get the pads out and we'd demonstrate this and say, look, you cannot be having an articulated conversation and hitting at the same time. So you'll get a cue that someone's about to hit you because you can see from their language patterns. If someone's articulating themselves well, the chances are they are not currently in a physical response place, which means you're much less likely to see a physical response from them. That doesn't mean to say it can't change very, very quickly, but there are cues there. It's much easier to not get punched in the face if I have even just a second or two to become aware that I'm about to get hit in the face. Most people, however, telegraph it a mile away. They go from having an articulated conversation into much more limited vocabulary. From that, it can even turn into grunting. So not even vocabulary at all, just noises. And from that, you can end up almost in silence. So for these guys, I'd say to them, you're less bothered about the conversation. What you're more tuned into is their ability to communicate. And it gives you real clues as to where their head's at and their unconscious is at. And I've even done this in the past with people where I've got people to a point where they've thrown a punch at me that they didn't even know they were going to throw a punch at me. We used to do these pressure tests where we'd just shout and abuse people, basically. And they didn't even know it was going to come, but I could see it would come. And suddenly you get this big old punch come over. And it would shock everybody that someone's tried to punch the guy at the front of the room. And I'd sit there and say, you didn't even know you were going to do that. And he was shocked, you know, that he'd thrown his punch at me. And I said, I can see it a mile away. And you just keep pushing the buttons and pushing the buttons. And you can see the language patterns. And you know when you're hitting the right mark, because I can see the reaction in the person. I know it's coming. I know we're getting close. Now, not everyone did throw the punch. Some people would just, you know, get to a point just before that. And I would use that as an example as to see how the brain was shutting down. But it's really important. Now, this isn't a self-defense class. This isn't relevant to you unless you work on the door particularly. That's your job. What this is relevant to you is to understand that the brain starts to shut down when it goes into threat response, when it goes into fear, and therefore we literally find it harder and eventually impossible to access those other parts of our, of our mind, of our brain, of our responses. So in other words, it becomes almost impossible to be compassionate the more fear I get. When I go ultimately into physical attack, so the fear that triggers a violent attack, there is no sympathy, no compassion, and no empathy. Well, of course there isn't. If I'm in the animal kingdom... And fundamentally, I've got to smash your head in with a rock and kill you. I don't want to be compassionate and empathetic and sympathetic at that time. So evolution turns those things off. So you can't be in that rage and also be compassionate and have empathy and be sympathetic. You know this. The angrier you get, the less you give a shit about whoever else is on the other end of what you're saying or what you're doing. If you got to the point where you were literally going full on physical, there'd be no empathy or sympathy or compassion in you whatsoever. What there is, of course, is remorse because when the blood then flushes back into your full self, so in other words, the threat's been dispatched, been disposed of, then the blood will start to reach those other parts of yourself that are compassion and sympathy and empathy, logic and reason, and then you'll start to have the remorse and then you'll start to piece it together and, you know, there are loads of crimes of passion. What they mean by crime of passion is that you didn't go out there in cold-blooded murder to murder someone. What happened was the red mist came in, you were not remotely in control of your own responses, and you act violently. Many of those people, by the way, that aren't hardened criminals and psychopaths, do have extreme remorse 
after what they've done. Now, we don't necessarily want to have too much sympathy for them, and therefore, we don't give a shit how they feel, do we? But actually, when you listen to them, many of them have incredible remorse. Because when they're acting as one person, the violent person, it's simply because they're not the full person there. They don't have their compassion, their empathy in play at the same time. When then they do go back to being their full self, suddenly they don't have the red mist, the rage, which means what they are access to is the other aspects of their, their, their physical being and their emotional being, which is more about the compassion and the sympathy and the empathy. So as a human being, you are capable of beating someone's head in with a rock. It's in there. It's evolutionary for you. But you're also capable of extreme empathy and sympathy and compassion. But if you're triggered into the fear response, if you're triggered enough into rage and anger, you lose your empathy and compassion. This is what we're seeing around this country and around the globe right now. People being more intolerant of other people. We're, we're, we're not feeling as compassionate or sympathetic to people. We are being divided slowly. So rather than seeing us as having different opinions, we see ourselves as on opposing viewpoints, which puts us on opposing sides. And now we're in conflict with one another. I did a whole webinar just today where I said, you know, there's so much more that we're aligned on than we're misaligned on. But what we're misaligned on is being used against us to divide us. The media's done this forever, you know, divide and conquer. So suddenly if you are an A person, you should be very wary of a B person. And we've seen over the whole of this lockdown and pandemic, we've seen A person turning on B person and B person turning attacking on A person. And A person is part of one tribe and B person is part of another tribe. And that tribe is ridiculing one tribe and the other tribe is ridiculing the other tribe. And we end up in a place where we're completely divided and yet every single one of us wants to just get on with life, make life better, help people, serve, get our lives back on track, make some money and do some good in the world. So actually, we're aligned on so much more than we're misaligned on, but those few aspects that we might disagree on are becoming so divisive that we start to get that, that threat response. That person's viewpoint is so threatening to me, they become the enemy, I lose my compassion, my sympathy, my empathy, and then I start to fuel on worry, anxiety, threat response, fear. Then if I get angry enough, it will turn to rage. If I get really angry enough, it will turn to violence. And we see this over and over again, not just in the last you know, year of this pandemic, but we see this across the whole of society. Fueled by fear, people do bad things to one another. We remove those fears, remove those threats. We do good things for each other. Like you do, I do. We've both done things that we're not proud of. We've both done things that might be mean-spirited. Maybe we've done things that are, are bad. Maybe even things you might even consider to be evil. But that doesn't mean you're a bad person, you're an evil person. You know you're not because you do a lot of good. So you remove the fear, the threat, the anxiety, the worries. What you're left with is a human being that is trying to just have a better experience of life. You have a human being that's trying to do better by other people. You have a human being that's trying to serve and give. A human being that's compassionate and sympathetic, full of empathy. That when they see a hungry child or they see someone suffering or struggling, we go and we help and we want to be of service. But the constant threat and the fear, the worry, the anxiety is in diametric opposition to that part of who we are. And the angry version of us, the animal that wants to go out and beat someone's head in with a rock, the evolutionary part of us, the caveman, the cavewoman, that had to be physical and violent, like a lot of the animal kingdom is violent. That is still in us and it's getting provoked over and over and over again. So how do we get out of this loop? How do we get out of this place 
Well, fundamentally, what we need to do, we need to protect our environment. We must protect the information that is coming into us. The news, the media, I'm sorry to say, it's not your friend. I said to you earlier that fear and threat are like magnetic poles. If the flame is threat, then fear is the moth. And it's attracted like moth to a flame. So when the news gives you doom and gloom, we are attracted to it like moth to a flame. We can't get our eyes off it. Why? Because of course, evolutionally speaking, anything that was a threat in my life, I had to put all eyeballs on that. You're not going to sit there if there's a bear coming in to eat your children and steal your food and kill you. You're not going to be sitting there working on how to create a better experience for yourself. You're not even worried about, you know, how to go out and feed yourself. You're not worried about anything. All you're worried about is this bear that's about to kill me and kill everything that I care about. So you're meant to get consumed by the threat. And the news is just feeding you threat, 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 threat. The government, threat, 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 threat. And it's triggering that fear response in us. And we're getting completely consumed and pulled into it like a moth to a flame. And then once we're there, we're being massively hypnotized by this non-stop threat, threat, threat. And there's no accident to this, by the way. You know, I'm sitting here, a humble guy that's gone through my own background. And yeah, I've done a lot of education and I've researched this and I've worked in a lot of, you know, high profile, I guess, kind of frontline roles dealing with emotional responses and emotional manipulations, like, for example, dormant and bodyguards and in self-defense. I've also lectured at university, you know, for the last 12 years at Bigger, Brighter, Boulder, working with small business owner success groups for nine years. So I've worked on the front end of understanding, you know, this unconscious programming, this unconscious reactions, evolutionary principles that run through every single one of us and how they're stimulated, how they're triggered, how they play out. And the biggest one is a perceived threat. If there's a perceived threat in your environment, you will put all your focus on that threat. When you're in that place, you are not going to be compassionate, sympathetic, or empathetic. It's still in us. We can still have moments of that, but it becomes less and less. But here's the thing. We do not feel happy or positive when we're having a threat response. Of course we don't. We do, however, feel happy when we are being compassionate and sympathetic and we've got empathy flooding our system, we do feel happy in that place. So not only are we getting pulled into this threat response, not only are we then getting consumed by it, not only are we then sitting there hypnotized nonstop, relentlessly by this threat, we also lose touch with those parts of ourselves that make us really like ourselves and the parts of us that give us the quality experience of life. And therefore, while I'm not saying be completely ignorant to what's going on in the outside world, what I really want to do in this episode was really label a point that I've made probably a few times, let's be honest, over this whole situation. You want to remove yourself from the absorption of that threat. You then want to mind your own thoughts about it. You want to be careful who you speak to about it. I see people in the world right now terrified. I went into a shop the other day and I took a step closer to the till and there was a perspex sheet. And I wasn't even thinking, right? And I went up to the counter rather than walk around the corner a little bit to this perspex sheet. The woman behind the counter, I swear to God, it was like I had a magnetic suit on. She literally jumped about a foot to two feet backwards, like an absolute repulsion, you know, as in not for me, but the repelling action of being pushed away, her own fear and anxiety of having another human being come within her space. And I've seen this over and over again, and it breaks my heart. I'm not saying you shouldn't take the precautions that you choose to, but it breaks my heart to see humanity interacting with humanity in that same way. I know equally that while she probably responded like that in that moment, if I'd had a heart attack, 
I'd like to think that suddenly she wouldn't give a shit about the perspex or anything else and she would come up and she would tend to me. The sympathy, the compassion would then come out. But I tell you now, if you can raise fear levels enough, you won't even get that. You can get to a point, you really can get to a point where there'll be a dying child on the street and everyone will ignore it. Not because they don't have compassion and sympathy and empathy inside of them, but because they're not accessing it at that point. We are seeing fear at an all-time high. That fear is turning us against one another. That fear is becoming divisive, and yet we agree on so much and we're aligned on so much. That fear is manipulating us into being someone that we are so much better than. The fear is disconnecting us from one another. The fear is giving us a terrible experience of life. And it's also steering us and moving us away from doing the positive stuff that fundamentally is going to give us the result that we want out of life. So this message couldn't really be simpler. Manage your environment, the internal environment, which is your thoughts, your perspective, but also manage the external environment. Who do you allow into your life? If you had a friend that was constantly constantly neg, 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 nonstop, neg, neg, no positivity, no silver lining, nothing even educational about it, just constantly neg, neg, neg. It wouldn't be long until you would probably not invite that person around your house. And yet the TV sits in the corner of the room, an uninvited guest constantly pumping out this message, this negativity, this narrative. I said today, this webinar, and I said, if you watch the news now, there's so little news, it's all narrative, it's all story. You know, the news is a couple of numbers, a couple of figures. Nothing else seems to be happening in the world right now. So you get your news in a one-minute soundbite, a graphic, a graph. That's the news. Everything else is narrative. And narrative is designed to sell you something, sell you a story. And if you buy into the story, you then get consumed in that story, just like you would a good novel or a great film. But with this narrative, there's no getting away from it. There's no end of the story, no end of the chapter, no end of the book. The lights don't come on and you leave the foyer and go back to your normal life. It's relentless. It's 24-7 if you allow it. Relentless, relentless, relentless. It's giving you a terrible experience of life. It's not educating you. It's manipulating you into fear, into threat responses, into anxiety and worry. And hopefully in the last 30 minutes, what I've done is shown you how that is completely and utterly counterintuitive to what you're trying to do in life. You want to be happier. You want to be more positive. And if you find those two gems, you will be more productive. You will be more successful. You'll just do so much more that you need, the people around you need, and the world ultimately needs as well. Nice one, guys. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Monday. They're set up this week with positivity. They're set up this week with happiness. Let's create that for ourselves. If you're not there yet, it doesn't matter. You really can do something about it. And if you put the effort in and the work in, and it is a work in progress, it is something you have to work at, you will get yourself out of that dark abyss that maybe you find yourself in. If you are currently quite positive and quite happy, well, why not be more positive and more happy? Because for all the reasons I've just said today already, you'll just do more, you'll do better, you'll have a better experience of life. So let's look at this all week. I'm going to try and help you on this journey. But I tell you now, one of the first things you can do is get rid of that news, get rid of that doom and gloom, get rid of that constant threat. 
Surround yourself with people that make you feel better. Surround yourself with people that give you hope and spread positivity. This is not about being ignorant to what's going on in the world around you. It's about not being so bought in that you cannot see the light anymore. You cannot see the good anymore. You want to saturate yourself with positivity. That's going to be the theme for our next episode on Wednesday. In the meantime, please do go and check out Bigger, Brighter, Bolder. See what we're doing for small business owners just like you. You can find us at biggerbrighterbolder.co.uk. You'll see that we've got groups, whether you're just launching a business right now, whether you've been in business for a little while, maybe doing 20, 30, 40K, and you want to build that 100K business, what I call a viable business, then we've got groups of people like you in there doing that very thing right now. And if you're doing over 100K in revenue and you want to scale that business and start to really give yourself the quality of life that you always dreamed of, then again, we have groups of business owners exactly where you are now, creating that very thing for themselves. One of the most incredible things that we did last year throughout the whole of this pandemic was we create this incredible bubble at Success Groups where we weren't ignorant to what's going on in the world around us, but we didn't need to participate in it and it didn't need to affect us. And yet people had their businesses turned upside down and people had revenue losses. But rather than getting pulled into that and being drowned by that, they turned it around, they re-engineered their businesses, they got their heads back in the game and every single one of those businesses kept themselves together throughout the whole of 2020 and we're going to do exactly the same again in 2021 if you need that positivity that accountability the vision the focus if you want help with your marketing you want help with your sales your business model your position in the marketplace if you just want to be part of something that keeps your head above water and keeps you sane and gives you a much better perspective of what's going on then please do go and check us out if you're ready to talk to us, my partner in life and in business, Tracy Miller, would love to hear from you. You can email her at Tracy with an E dot Miller at biggerbrighterfolder.co.uk. I'll drop both those links in the descriptions below as well as some links to some other resources to help you with your ongoing entrepreneurial journey. I will see you next time. And until then, as always, be successful. Leveling up. Extreme business growth through raising your game. When what was once extraordinary becomes ordinary, you know you've leveled up.